One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. <laughs> Kia ora, welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, and with this podcast you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care, and this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. In this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Laura, and Laura takes us through the pregnancy and birth story with her son Anderson, or Anders. Laura has endometriosis, so she talks us through the discovery of that when she was younger, and then the management of that as she got older and how that sort of impacted her fertility. Um, She did an AMH test, which came back quite low. So she had all of that information and decided to do an egg retrieval at the end of 2019. Laura ended up conceiving naturally without any help after that egg retrieval. So she talks us through finding out that she was pregnant and what that whole journey was like. She had an LGA or large baby on board And she knew that from the scans that she was having during her pregnancy and after meeting with her obstetrician and discussing with her midwife, she decided to have an elective caesarean at the Tauranga Hospital. So she talks us through that whole experience and how that sort of played out. And then Laura takes us through her postpartum period where she really struggled to get the hang of motherhood and just the adjustment was yeah really massive for Laura um, and as one it wasn't an overly settled baby and she just really had a hard time so Laura talks us through what that was like and a postnatal depression diagnosis and being referred to maternal mental health so a really really open and honest episode some of the stuff that Laura talks about might be confronting for some of you and For others, it might be a realisation that you're absolutely not alone. But either way, I hope that you love the episode. I'm super grateful that Laura was willing to share it with us. And I would absolutely love to hear from you if you're listening. Feel free to take a screenshot on your phone and upload it to your story. And tag me at KiwiBirthTales on Instagram. I love to see where you're listening from and what you're doing. Otherwise, feel free to send me an Instagram message or an email, KiwiBirthTales at gmail.com. I just, yeah, really love connecting with you all. And I hope you love the episode. I will absolutely stop talking now and let's jump into it. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, no worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Laura. I've got my husband, Mitch, um, and we have little 10, nearly 11-week-old bubba called Anderson, who we call Anders. Um we live over in Tauranga. I just moved over from Hamilton about nearly a year ago now. Yes. And we're just loving it over here, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And so we just moved over there. I'm a skabunus and my husband is an engineer. Awesome. Cool. And do you want to take us through um, what the journey was like to pregnancy for you guys? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was diagnosed with endometriosis when I was about 16. Um pretty much from the start when I started getting my period had really bad pain um, and I'm really lucky my mum was a bulldog um, and really advocated for me to get seen and treated because it can be really hard to get diagnosed yeah. I was diagnosed with surgery um, probably about a year after investigating which is really amazing so had surgery for it um, had a marina put in and that was kind of that didn't really think about it um, you know fast forward 
you know, maybe mm. seven, eight years later, um, decided that didn't really love the marina, had started getting some more endo pain back. And, you know, at that point you're starting to think about fertility and kids and how that yeah. all affects things. So I went in for another surgery um, to get the endo cleared out, got my marina taken out as well. Um, and I also got my AMH levels tested, which is um, – a test of your ovarian reserve because I wanted to know, you know, is it going to be hard yeah. for me to have kids or, you know, is it something that's going to be easy? Um, and it was on the low side. Um, so my doctor pretty much said to me, yeah, it is going to be really hard for you to have kids, um, which was really devastating mm. to hear at the time. It's like, you know, for me, the biggest dream to have a family. Mm, yeah. So that was real hard for me. Um, so I made the decision to collect some eggs. So we did a couple of rounds of egg retrieval. And that was at the end of 2019. Um, so I kind of just started going into that, you know, world of all that stuff. And yeah. even the egg retrieval was hard, injections and things like mm. that. I know some people have it way, way worse, but I still found it quite tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was kind of working under the assumption that it was going to be really hard to get pregnant. And, you know, that was the mindset. Um, yeah. And yeah, had the marina out in January um, of 2020 when I had surgery for endo again and yeah, ended up pregnant in July, which was oh, wow. definitely <laughs> unexpected. Um, yeah. And yeah, especially when you're told, yeah, this is going to be really hard mm. for you. Um, and then it happens. It's like, wow, that is really, really amazing. So yeah. 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 And were you like tracking your cycles or using any form of contraception or you were just... Um, you know, completely unexpected and it just happened. Yeah, completely unexpected. I was tracking my cycles, but it was purely from a, I want to get to know my body point of view because I had the Marine for about eight years. I didn't actually know what my body did. I didn't know how my cycle was. I just wanted to know what my body was doing. Um, And from that tracking, I was doing my temperature and all that kind of stuff as well. Kind of worked out that I was ovulating maybe every second or third month. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't, you know, um, and we weren't exactly careful because I thought it was going to be really hard for me to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was definitely unexpected, but really, really amazing. Yeah, cool. And how did you find out? Did you have like symptoms that made you think you might be pregnant or what was the journey <laughs> there? Um, really funny way how I found out. I was actually on a girl's trip down in Queenstown with a couple of friends so had spent the week snowboarding and eating all the soft cheeses Mm -hmm. and doing all the fun activities that you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant um and it was the last night of our trip my period was due the next day um I didn't have anything or any reason to suspect Mm -hmm. I was pregnant but we were going to go out to the casino and get a couple of drinks and I'm just super super careful about you know drinking and you know if you're pregnant and stuff like that Mm. and just this little thought came into my head I was like oh what if and I was like nah nah totally not there's not possible (laughs) at all um yeah and so the girls are like no we'll just we'll just go down to the supermarket and get a quick pregnancy test then we can go to the casino I was like okay cool that sounds like a great idea so we went and did that and it was like eight o'clock at night and like, I think it was negative five degrees in public bathrooms <laughs> in the middle of Queenstown. Oh my gosh. Um, and found out I was pregnant that way. Um, <laughs> and my friends thought I was joking. I came in to show them the stick and they were like, holy crap. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then five minutes later, I went and called my husband. I was like, Mitch, I'm pretty sure we're pregnant. And both just freaked out over the phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Earlier that day, like I had gotten the tattoo on my yeah. stomach. Um, <laughs> which in hindsight was really not my best choice. Um, and I got it with a pineapple, which is like symbolic of like infertility, um, yeah. because that was something I'd really struggled with. And so quite ironic that the day I get yeah. a tattoo that, you know, symbolizes infertility, I find out I'm pregnant that night. Oh my um, gosh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty funny. So yeah, flew back, um, the next day and Mitch met me at the airport and we're yeah we're very excited but like Mm. yeah freaking out a little bit at the time yeah it was yeah really amazing though yeah awesome cool and what was the first trimester like for you did you have sort of pregnancy like symptoms that started from there or yeah how did you find those first 12 weeks yeah I um I found it pretty hard to be honest like the 
in terms of physical stuff, it wasn't too bad. I definitely had morning sickness probably from about seven or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I only vomited for a few weeks um, and that ended kind of at about 16 weeks. I started to not feel permanently car sick, so that was good. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I had a couple of rounds of um, like minor bleeding in yeah. the first trimester, which was terrifying because – you know, every time you go to the toilet and you check, you're like, is there blood? You know, yeah. am I going to miscarry? Like, that was a real big fear for me. And it caused me so much anxiety. Like, um, yeah. And at the time, the midwife that I did have, I really struggled to get in contact with her. Okay. Um, yeah, which was quite hard. So, like, I'd call or text and then get a reply a couple of days later. Um, so, yeah. So, I ended up going with a different midwife. Um after that kind of situation just because I wanted to be sure that I could you know get into touch with someone when I had to Um, yeah but yeah but that caused quite a lot of anxiety for me just you know that oh my goodness I'm bleeding but everything was fine in the end and had a few extra scans just to make sure things were fine yeah so yeah but just the normal tiredness feeling sick you know yeah 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 how did you go with finding a midwife when you were already like, I know that it can be really difficult finding a yeah. midwife, even if you're like four weeks pregnant. So how did you go? Oh, it was um, so hard. Swapping. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I worked in Skibou. I, I was about 10 weeks and I was trying to find a midwife. And so one day I was at work, I went down to the maternity ward in tears and I'm like, <laughs> I can't find a midwife. Someone needs to help me. What do I do? Um, and one of the charge nurse midwife or charge midwife there, she said, here's someone that's really great, recommended me, called her up and she's like, yeah, I can take you on. So that was amazing. And that was such like a big, you know, weight off my shoulders because I'd been a couple of weeks without a midwife and I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? So yeah, yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like? Did you do all of the sort of standard testing that's offered and did you end up finding out the sex of your baby? Yeah, so I did the NIPT testing, but I kind of did a slightly different version. Like we, you can do one like going through Australia and it was about half the price, but I didn't do like all the genetic stuff. I just wanted to know the gender. Um, So we (laughs) did that and found out it was a boy. Um, We did all the other testing, but we turned down the Down syndrome screening Mm -hmm. um, just because for us it didn't really make a difference. And I knew if there was any issues with that, um, because Down syndrome can have, you know, some heart conditions associated with it, would probably find that out at the 20-week anatomy scan anyway, if there was any heart kind of issues. So that was, from that perspective, I was like, yeah, we're sweet with just not knowing and just, yeah, yeah, because we're pretty young and, you know, hopefully things generally go okay. So, yeah. yeah. But apart from that, pretty much the standard testing. Um, The second trimester was pretty good. Uh, Didn't have too many symptoms, you know, just tired and, you know, the growing bump and just trying to move around <laughs> becomes a little trickier. Um, I started probably at about 23-ish weeks, started to get um, these random stomach pains, which was really, really weird. Um, like it would be on my lower left side and it wasn't like constipation or gas or mm. anything like that. Um, but, yeah, and we couldn't work out what it was from. And so I'd get these random bouts of pain from about, then onwards and it would kind of happen every few weeks up until delivery which was really odd and so I ended up Mm. in hospital a couple of times with that because the only thing that could really control it was some heavy painkillers so that was yeah that was really frustrating for me because no one could kind of pinpoint what it was um and someone did suggest that maybe it was you know like adhesions or something from the endometriosis that you know um when was stretching out as I was growing it mm-hmm. could have been from that, but before I gave birth, like at that point, like I was getting those pains every second or third day. Oh, um, no. So it was becoming, yeah, not very fun by the end of it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so second trimester wasn't too bad. Just, yeah. And those pains probably dominated a bit of the third trimester for me. Um, yeah. yeah which was frustrating, but yeah, couldn't do much about it and just control it. Yeah. Yeah, that is frustrating. And did you do the um, gestational diabetes screening? Yes, I did. I had to do it twice. Um, I did have growth scans. So little man um, was and is a chonker. So he (laughs) was measuring on, I think, the 95th 
to 97th centile um, from 20 weeks onwards. Um, but I'm like 190 centimetres tall. My husband's just about the same height. So we were never going to have a small baby. So, yeah. you know, the baby was the right size for us. But, yeah, he was never going to be small. So had growth scans um, and... The way I was eating, I was like, surely, surely my sugar levels are going to be terrible. But they were fine. Yeah. I had it I had it checked out. I can't remember how many weeks the first one, but it's 36 weeks and it was absolutely fine. So, yeah. 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 And to be honest, like everyone was telling me, oh, the sugar drink is terrible. But I really liked it because I had a real sweet tooth. <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. It was more yeah. just the sitting there waiting. Yeah, yeah. That, that is painful, that waiting part. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Cool. And did you do like any antenatal classes or birth education, like any sort of educational materials that you found helpful in the lead up to your birth? Yeah, I was a little stressed and like, you know, I'd had a bit of anxiety the first trimester. I kind of just needed to take a chill pill and relax. So we did some hypnobirthing classes, which I found really helpful. Um, I really enjoyed them and it was a nice small class. There was only like two or three other couples as well. Um, and that was in, yeah, in Tauranga. And it just gave me some tools just to kind of calm myself down and mm. the deep breathing and the different ways to breathe through birth and labour. Um, yeah, I found that really helpful. Um, some bits were good. Some bits I was like, oh, I don't know that I'll use that. But it was one of those things that you kind of pick the parts that are going to be really helpful for you. Um, mm-hmm. I was really slack and didn't get into um, like in, like proper antenatal classes and I didn't, yeah. So we didn't end up doing them. We just did the hypnobirthing. Um, yeah. We kind of already had the how to change a nappy, how to swaddle a baby. Yeah. yeah. With work. So we did some lessons um, with Mitch, my husband. We did like swaddling the teddy bear and putting a nappy <laughs> on them and stuff like that. But yeah. I guess a lot of those are to, you know, meet people and make connections. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of did that with hypnobirthing, which was cool. Um, and where I was working as well. In Skaboo, um, there was I was one of six pregnant nurses at the oh, time. Oh wow! <laughs> so it yeah. was like a yeah a big community like of other um, mums, you know, that I was connected yeah. with there. So it wasn't like I was on my own little island, which yeah. was awesome. So yeah, yeah. But the hypnobirthing was good though. It gave us some good tools to just relax and yeah, yeah. just not worry about things and just let it come as it happens. Nice. Cool. Awesome. And did you have much of like a birth plan or thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go? Yeah, definitely. Like I'm super type A. Um, so like I had this little birth plan like typed up and like got it laminated <laughs> and stuff. But it yeah. was um it was more things for Mitch. Um, like how you can support me during the birth because I kind of knew what I wanted, but it was more for the people around me, like here are yeah, some ways yeah. that um you can help like while I'm in labor. Um like what would I find helpful like you know give me a cold cloth or remind me to go to the toilet or you know drink water or if we have a c-section here are some things you can do so that was kind of what I did um Mm -hmm. in terms of actual birth plan for me I was I was kind of just seeing how things went I Mm -hmm. wasn't too stressed I knew I wanted to birth up at the hospital um I work up there so I'm really comfortable up there I know for some people it's such a foreign environment and you know the smell and all the you know the stark colors and stuff is not for them but for me I'm like oh this feels like home I'm so used to this um and I was like yeah I want to be up there and I feel safe and you know you've got doctors and all the staff up there so for me that was like my safe place and I guess that Mm -hmm. was pretty much the only preference I really had in my birth plan um how it happened I wasn't too fussed. I was like, yeah, I'll try to it naturally. If I need an epidural or pain meds, I'll take it. If I need a C-section, that's sweet as. I was kind of just, yeah, waiting to see how it happened. Yeah. Is is, um, go with the flow as a Taipei person can be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing or perennial massage or any of the things that they say can help you go into (laughs) labour? Yeah, I did antenatal expressing, which was really good. I knew I wanted to do that. So I started yeah. that for about 35 weeks and ended up with quite a lot, um, about maybe 50 mils or so, oh, wow. which was nice. really cool. So just like get into the bath at night and just sit there with my syringes, which was really cool. 
kind of tried the perennial massage, but I kind of just kept forgetting. Mm. Like it wasn't that I did, I didn't mind it, but I was like, oh, whoops, I forgot it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bounced on the um, yoga ball a lot. Um, <laughs> but I kind of stopped after a while because I read the packet and it was like the max weight is like 100 kilos. And I'm pretty sure like <laughs> I went past it at that point. And yeah. I'm like, that's going to be really dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I bought like the Ras Relief tea. I didn't drink it because I didn't like the taste. And, you know, like, I, yeah. yeah. So I tried a couple of things, but I didn't really like fully like get this baby out of me. Yeah, because yeah. we ended up um, delivering it 38 weeks and four days. So I kind of yeah. wasn't at that um, desperate point. So yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. And I know that you said you were having like extra growth scans and stuff like that because it was measuring on the bigger side, which I can mm. relate to. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you want to take us through, I guess, those last couple of weeks before he was born? And did you have any growth scans then? And then did you end up going into labor or what happened from there? Yeah, so we had um yeah, had growth scans the whole way. I think my last growth scan was at about thirty six or thirty seven weeks. Um and Anders was projected to at term be getting close to five kilos. Um yeah. and when you hear five kilos you're like, Oh, okay, that's quite big. Um <laughs> I know those growth scans aren't, you know, the most accurate thing. Um and they have to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, looking at those scans, me and Mitch had talked about it quite a bit, um, about, you know, what could happen with the birth and, um, my midwife referred me to the obstetrician, which I kind of thought was going to happen anyway. So I think at about 37 and a half weeks I had, we had a meeting, um, with the obstetrician and went in there and he pretty much (laughs) looked at us and was like, got a big baby on board and I was like yeah mm-hmm. like, so, so what do you guys want to do so kind of didn't go here's what we think should happen oh, Laura um, that is so interesting <laughs> it is so interesting yeah. hearing you say that because yeah. it's like um it just depends on the obstetrician that you get on the day right like oh, their approach and everything yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they are all so different amazing but yeah definitely have different opinions so he was like you know so what are your guys thoughts he kind of put it back on us straight away which was really interesting um and I think I said something along the lines of I don't want to rip myself in half giving birth to this baby (laughs) um so I I wasn't worried about the actual labor and birth that is in in the pain that wasn't something that freaked me out um because like I work in Skibo and like, you know, I have kind of a bit of a warped, um, you know, viewpoint of like labor and birth. So mm-hmm. I end up seeing the ones that go wrong a lot of the time yeah. or the yeah. things that don't end up super well. And I don't get a lot of the picture of here's a normal birth and here is what a normal birth looks like. Mm-hmm. So I would see the babies that, you know, really big babies that had ended up with like shoulder dystocia or, mm. um, you know, because they were big or they'd gotten stuck. Um, and I think my biggest fear was labouring, you know, for a couple of days and then ending up with an emergency C-section. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of – I kind of put it back on him. I'm like, what do you kind of think? Um, and he kind of recommended a section, but he said, you know, hey, I think that would be the best thing. Um, but it's up to you guys. And I guess because I'd seen the stuff that went wrong, I was like, yep, I want that. I want to do that for yeah. the safety of our baby. Um, and that was at the time, you know, I felt that was right for us and we were confident in that decision. And we were like, yep, awesome. Let's do this. This is yeah. you know going to work for us. That's great. Um, yeah. So he booked us in for like just over a week later, which was insane. Yeah. Don't so, they? I- they usually wait until after 39 weeks, right? Yeah, it was to do with, um, like, the schedule. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> I, I think it might have, I don't know if it was booked up a bit more further down. And he did yeah. say to us and said, oh, well, yeah, we normally wait till 39, but, you know, 38 and I think it was 38 and 5 is okay. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet as. Yeah, yeah. cool. It was nice. a very interesting, very interesting appointment. Yeah, I'm so, like, interested in your story, Laura, because it's, like, the same hospital that I go to yeah. and yeah. Um, just a totally, 
totally different experience mm-hmm. to what I had when I went and met with the obstetrician oh, yeah. that I met with at the hospital. Like, could yeah. not be more opposite to that conversation. Yeah, so yeah. interesting, eh? And yeah. I, yeah, you do hear the ones that it's like, this is how you should birth, or this is how you should do that. Um, but yeah, for us, it was just like, you know, my gut instinct was like, I feel like yeah. the section's right for us. Um, yeah. And it was nice to not be pushed into that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was good. That was good for us. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's nice. it's really weird knowing the birthday of your baby yes. before actually yeah. having your birthday, like having the baby though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So how did you sort of prepare? I guess over the next week, and then do you want to take us through going into the hospital for your um, C section and how that all went? Yeah, totally. So it was yeah weird. Like I was really um. It was quite nerve wracking because every day it was like, oh, in like three days I'm going to meet our baby in two days. So it was, yeah. it kind of like messed with your mind a little bit. And so by the time, um, you know, the day before I was like, I'm so ready for this now. <laughs> yeah. I guess when the end's in sight, you just get really over it. Um, yeah. But the night before we went out for like a really nice dinner, um, some of our friends gave us a voucher um, for a restaurant in Tauranga. So we went out for dinner, which was so nice. Um and just relaxed and Mitch took the day off work the day before Baba just so we could um, spend the day together, like the last day, like just us and really make the most of that. Mm. I can't actually remember what we did. I think we went somewhere or did something, but I actually can't remember now. But yeah, so that was like our preparation. And the morning we woke up, I slept terribly the night before. Mm-hmm. Woke up, went to the hospital, had to be in there at seven o'clock. Um. We got in, they do all their admin stuff, got us in the gown, and Mitch was dressed up for theatre. We were first on the list for that day, so we're going in sometime from about um, 8 at the earliest, 8.30 at the earliest. So, you know, we were going to have our baby pretty quickly. Um, And so the doctor that came in was a different doctor um, than the one um, I'd seen about a week and a half before. Um, Really, really lovely. But she just goes to me, oh, before we go in um, to do the surgery, to do the birth, um, let me just check the position of baby. So I felt my stomach um, and then kind of brought up that, oh, baby's sitting a bit low. It actually might be kind of hard to do a section. Um, And then offered to do an internal exam to see, like, how, like, low baby was Mm. um, and, you know, what my pelvis was like and stuff like that so did the internal um and then pretty much said I think you can birth naturally oh my god I bet you that was my obstetrician (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty much like yeah I think you can have this baby naturally um and there wasn't much discussion around it and then she's like I've got another case I'll be back in an hour um to hear your decision and I was like oh my goodness (laughs) so Mm. I just burst into tears as soon as she left um I just turned to Mitch I'm like what do we do because like all of a sudden I felt really guilty for wanting the section Mm. I was like this is what we had mentally prepped ourselves for um you know we were ready for this we were going to meet our baby today like this is where we were at Mm. um and my stomach pains had also been ramping up so it was like every second day you know, having to take tramadol to um, mm. control it. So it was, I was just so done. And, but I felt really guilty for still wanting to have a section. Yeah. So I called up my mum and I'm like, what do we do? Um, you know, because you trust your mum in those times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and me and Mitch just sat there and we prayed about it and we're like, God, what do we do here? We actually don't know. Um, and talked with my midwife um, and we just still felt it was right for us to go through with the mm. section. Um, and we instantly felt peace as soon as we made that decision. We're like, yep, okay, cool. We prepared for this. This is where we're at. Um, you know, we're going to go through with it today. Did your midwife have a view? <laughs> like what was her thoughts? Yeah, well, it was hard because the doctor kind of didn't really give alternatives. It wasn't like we could induce you today or you could just wait mm. and go home and see if you go into labor naturally. So that kind of wasn't discussed and our midwife kind of talked with us through it. But I remember um, my midwife looking at me and just being like, you know what you want to do and go yeah. with that gut feeling. You know, I think yeah. she said something along those lines. And so 
she encouraged us just to stick with, you know, what our gut feeling was. And there was yeah. no guilt around that. It was like, yeah, you do what's right for you yeah, and go with that, which was cool. So there was no, like, you know, guilt tripping or anything like yeah. that. It was, yeah. So she backed us, which was awesome. Nice. So, yeah. And so the doctor came back an hour later and she literally was like, yeah, you're nay. And I'm like, yeah, we're going for it. And she's like, okay, cool. We'll see you in there in like five minutes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So yeah, that was very interesting. Like yeah. it, it kind of unsettled me quite a bit. Um, yeah. And yeah, but that was okay. We, we got through that. So yeah. 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 Cool. And do you want to take us through the experience of um, your C-section and meeting your baby? Yeah. So yeah. And just completely felt myself go numb, like my lower <laughs> half, which was, it's really uncomfortable um, yeah. and quite a, I don't know, I found it quite an icky feeling. Um, and then it kind of spreads its way up. Like you kind of feel like the bottom of your like lungs go numb a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like and it, you kind of feel like it was a little bit hard to breathe, but yeah, they just draped me up and it's just there holding my hand and yeah. And so I really wanted um, to see our baby come out that was like a big thing for me. I wanted to, you know, watch the baby being pulled out of me. Um, and I'd seen like on Instagram in Australia um, that there's a doctor and I don't know if it's more than one, but they do maternally assisted C-sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those videos. And so like the mum's gowned up on the table and she actually reaches down and she pulls her baby out. Um, like the baby's already like half out of the incision mm. and stuff. And I would have loved to have done that, but I don't know that that quite often in New Zealand, <laughs> but if I end up having another C-section one day, I will be pushing for that because that would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it took about five, ten minutes, you know, for them to do their stuff cutting. You can feel it. It feels like there's a washing machine going on inside you, but it doesn't hurt. Um, and then they lowered the drapes and then, yeah, pulled baby out and I got to watch him, like, come out of my tummy, which was really cool. Um, and he cried straight away, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really cool. I just cried. <laughs> I was, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to get emotional or not, but I just remember like my chest just like kind of like going up and down from crying and thinking, oh no, like they're going to make a mistake, like stitching me up because I'm crying too yeah. much. Yeah. But then they took him over to the table and he was crying. Um, well, the doctors checked him out and then at about, you know, maybe five minutes or less, he was brought back to me. Um, and I got to have him on me, which was really, really nice, but also quite uncomfortable because Anders was mm. like, it's just hard when you're lying down. Um, and he came out of the womb hungry. So he was like chewing on my chin, which was really cute, but yeah, quite funny. Um, yes, yeah, so that was real cool. And gave him to Mitch in the end because I'm like, it's quite uncomfortable on my chest. And so mm -hmm. Mitch held him. Um, yeah. So the actual birth was really lovely. I really yeah. enjoyed the whole, you know, our section. It was very calm. The room felt really peaceful. Um, there was no panic, no fear. Um, and it was a really nice way to meet our baby. Like I felt mm. it was um, really awesome. And yeah, that was, that was really nice. So I yeah. actually really enjoyed it. And then he um, got Anders latched on breastfeeding and recovery. Um, and he latched on perfectly straight away, which was incredible. And then we got wheeled through um back to um the ward after a little bit and like that night I was up having a shower walking oh, so amazing. yeah yeah it was yeah the whole experience was the whole section I yeah I really liked that yeah it was yeah. good for us it worked for us and yeah it was the right decision for us at the time so yeah yeah, yeah. awesome cool and how long did you end up spending in the hospital I spent five days in hospital, um, which was quite a good amount of time. Um, I felt no pressure to leave. They said to me, you know, don't feel pressure to leave. You know, you guys just, you know, go home when you're ready, which was really mm -hmm. cool. So I didn't have that, oh, my goodness, um, you know, I need to get out of here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and yeah, because I felt comfortable in the environment. It was really good. Um, yeah. Anders was a tricky baby from day one um because I'd had a section I'd lost a couple of liters of blood um so my milk didn't actually come in properly until like my 
full supply, like probably a couple of weeks, but it didn't yeah. come in really much at all until about day seven. Um, so in hospital, I had a very angry baby that mm. um, was getting next to nothing off me. So that was really hard. And I was very yeah. emotional about that. And it was just a struggle. So I think it was on day two or three. It was about seven hours and he hadn't fed because he was screaming. I couldn't get him on the breast because I had nothing. He would latch on, suck and scream because there was nothing. So Mm. I was getting so desperate at this point. He was inconsolable. He was starting to get a little bit dehydrated. So we ended up needing to give him a little bit of formula, Um, which was absolutely fine. But it can be quite a um, process getting formula um, in hospital. It's... Mm. It's kind of treated a little bit like it's a drug. Um, so they actually need two nurses to sign it out if you're using hospital formula. Um, right. Which, and, and at times I kind of was made to feel a little bit guilty about wanting that. Um, hmm. I had an amazing midwife that came in and just said, do I need some formula? I was like, yep. She's like, awesome. That's the best plan here. So that was amazing. Mm. Um, that was really validating for me that, yeah, my gut instinct was right. He did need some just to get yeah. through that little period of, um, yeah. And because he was a bigger bubby too, I, you know, he was at risk of having low blood sugars. So yeah. I didn't yeah. want that to be the case. And that worked for us. So we ended up breastfeeding and then he would do lactate um, top-ups with some formula. So the little tube and the syringe and he just guzzled them and it was amazing mm-hmm. so we had a bit of a happier baby after that but he never was much of a settled little man unfortunately yeah so yeah. yeah cool and so how did you find going home from the hospital and obviously like just everything has changed and your whole world's like flipped yeah. upside down so yeah um, recovering from a c-section as well obviously throws like another spanner in the works so yeah how did you find after those five days in hospital going home and adjusting to life as a mum? yeah it was really hard physically I recovered really well um after a couple of weeks I felt pretty much nearly my normal self um didn't really have any pain left uh it was yeah it was quite weird I thought it was going to be a bit harder with the section Mm. I guess I was one of the lucky ones that found the recovery pretty easy I was back playing pretty competitive netball at five and a half weeks post-section which I probably shouldn't have been doing um but (laughs) it was more for my mental health even though my body wasn't quite ready for that (laughs) so yeah the physical recovery yeah, to be honest, was not, not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was everything else around it. Um, Anderson has been a real tricky bub um, and he's since been diagnosed with silent reflux, which we right. didn't know at the time, but he was never settled in hospital. And so we got him home, still wasn't settling with the feeding and everything. And he had symptoms of it, but it was it's one of those really hard things Um to get diagnosed yeah it was really really difficult um so our feeding was really hard with him like I had a really good supply um he was a brilliant breastfeeder but he would just want to suck and suck and suck and Mm. not go off the breast at all um and so he would do that when we were home and then it ended up projectile vomiting because he would take too much Mm. so that was uh it was a bit of a nightmare and he was really gaggy and you could see it coming up the back of his throat and like he was in obvious pain. So we eventually got diagnosed with silent reflux. Um, yeah. But yeah, mentally I found things really difficult. It, yeah. it, it's a huge adjustment that no one really talks about. Um, you know, I did so much more prep for the actual birth than I did the mm. fourth trimester and I wish I was more prepared, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So we, um, I talked to Mitch before Bubba was born just about, you know, postnatal depression and anxiety. And I said, look, we had recently moved to Tauranga. So like, I didn't know a massive amount of people. So didn't have those social circles around me. I'd had anxiety at the start of the pregnancy. Um, I, my mum had had postnatal depression, um, you know, like, we had a baby with reflux or we didn't know that Mm. obviously before the birth, but 
there are a few risk factors and I said, hey, I just want you to look out for this just in case that's something that crops up and that it happens for us so we can get onto it really quickly. So in hindsight, I'm so glad we had those conversations because we did get onto that quickly. Um, But yeah, there was so much. It was just things that you don't even think about. I felt real grief. Um, You completely lose who you are all of a sudden and it's just a complete identity shift. You yeah. like all of a sudden, like one minute you're not a mum, and then you're a mum, and your entire yeah. world changes. And it's that's not a small thing. I really felt like a loss of freedom. It was like Groundhog Day. Like I was stuck in the house all day, every day. Once I got home from hospital, um, you know, your relationship changes with your husband and your family because it's all about a baby. You used to have all this time, like you know, me and Mitch would like go on dates all the time, and like it yeah. was about me and him not a child so that relationship shifts and like I felt grief for that for a period of time um and just the general adjustment to being a mum and then you've got all this mum guilt because you feel like you're doing everything Mm, terribly wrong so yeah I found that really hard and so that coupled with I think from the moment we were told oh you can deliver naturally and Mm. then you know I found being in the hospital quite hard and a little bit traumatic for us with all his issues like feeding and you know he didn't settle didn't sleep yeah. really much at all um and then coming home and then trying to deal with that and then trying to actually get him diagnosed um kind of developed a bit of postnatal depression which has been quite hard I had yeah. weeks I was like no nah, I just this is my life now there's nothing to look forward to mm-hmm. um just crying all the time my appetite just completely went even though I was breastfeeding I had no appetite whatsoever and if people weren't feeding me I wouldn't have been eating at all Mm. um was just completely flat just no emotion just yeah yeah I loved Anderson um and I still felt connected to him but I just I just really hated the new role of mum all of a sudden. Mm. And I I just found that adjustment so difficult. So I I kind of felt like that for a couple of weeks. And at first I was like, oh, it's just the baby blues, you know. It'll pass. It'll be fine. Um, And then after a couple of weeks, between me, my mum and Mitch were like, hold on. This kind of isn't shifting now. The fog isn't lifting at all. Things aren't getting better. So we got some help at that point, which was great. So we did a couple of things. I, um, the first thing for me was getting the reflux sorted with Anderson. Mm. So we went over to Hamilton um, to the Waikato Family Centre, um, which is such an amazing place. They have like nurses and midwives there and you just go, you take your babies and they pretty much just help you figure out like if you're having sleeping issues or feeding issues or reflux issues. So that was amazing. They don't have something the same in total of it. So we went over to Hamilton um, and they gave me a checklist of like reflux symptoms. And I took every single one apart from like vomiting all the time. Mm. So straight away it was like, oh, cool. Okay. That's confirmation, validation that this is what's going on. And then we got um, Anders onto the right medication, which made um, a really big difference. He's not perfect um, and he's still definitely got some stuff going on, but it's so much better. Mm. So that was the first thing we did. Um, and then I went to the GP for myself. Um, I've got a really amazing GP practice that we go to, which was really cool. Um, and they listened to me. Um, and I had been on like a little bit of medication for anxiety pre-pregnancy. Um, and so went back onto that same medication, which helps kind of with anxiety and depression. Um, and then also had a referral to maternal mental health Um in Tauranga um, and had a nurse come out and see me a couple of times, um, which was amazing. And so we are doing so much better now. Like we're not completely there, but so, so much better than when we left um, the hospital and, you know, yeah. so that was really cool. So for us, it was the early recognition. We knew that this wasn't quite normal and we got on top of it really quickly um, while we were kind of just falling off the cliff instead of being at rock bottom at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. So we kept ourselves from getting completely to that point, which was, yeah, the best thing we possibly could have done. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> and when you talk about the um, maternal mental health nurse, do you just want to talk us through, like, what what she actually does? So um, yeah. for someone who might be in a similar 
position to you? How does she um, how does she help? Yeah, I was I was honestly really nervous about this because as part of my job, like I had referred like a lot of women to maternal mental health, mm. but really had no idea. Um, and it sounds so big and serious, like, oh, my goodness, there's something terribly wrong with you. It's so not like that at all. Um, yeah. It was just like a nurse that came to my house and pretty much just sat down, um, had a cup of tea with me and just talked with me for like an hour. Mm. There was no big weird things and you know she was a mum herself she was amazing um really really helpful and just helped to recognize what I was feeling um just validated what I was feeling um and yeah pretty much outlined here are some services that could help um which was kind of what I was looking for too like what support groups are there who can I get in connection with um, that could help with this? Um, Just talked about what would be useful in terms of medication and Mm. stuff like that. So I'm so glad that we did that. Um, And so we only ended up seeing her twice. Um, And after the second time seeing her, she said to us, you're coping really well now. We've gotten on top of things. Um, Anderson's reflux is doing so much better. And what she said to me, it was more of a – so it wasn't a really – really bad really dark postnatal depression um she said it was more situational um you know we'd had a tricky stay in hospital I'd struggled with the adjustment of being a mum Anderson had been a really hard baby there wasn't much sleep going on um because he would refuse to nap during the day we'd get maybe 10 20 minutes of naps of that so I couldn't nap during the day um and as he got better I got better yeah. And so we saw her twice and then, yeah, she said, you guys are actually doing a lot better now. Um, I'm here if you guys need anything. Yeah. Uh, you're always welcome to make contact again if things go downhill or if things become a bit more of a struggle. Um, so, yeah, just left it kind of open that we can contact her if we need her, which was, yeah, which is amazing to know that that's there. But yeah. a really, really good service and honestly, anyone feeling the same way I would just so encourage them just to go to your GP get a referral you know just talk to someone before it gets really bad it's a lot easier to um, get stuff sorted when it's kind of starting to go downhill and things aren't feeling quite right yeah you know don't wait till it's bad just talk to someone about it it makes all the difference in the world yeah yeah I think that's great advice and Mm. will be super helpful for um, other people out there who are feeling a similar way. So thank you. Yeah. Cool. And is there anything else that we sort of haven't covered, Laura, that you want to include in your story or anything that you feel like we've missed? I think the biggest takeaway for me is I wish I had done more planning for the fourth trimester um, just about what that would look like. And I know you can only plan to an extent because you don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know how you're going to feel yeah. at that time. Um, but yeah, I wish I was more prepared for that and for what that might yeah. look like. Um, and I, I guess I had these thoughts in my head. I was like, I know what I'm doing with babies. You know, that's my job. I'm going to be good at this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't end up like that, you take such a hit because it's expectation versus reality. And sure, I really yeah. struggled, you know, I'd see all these mums, you know, you'd get into the Instagram like stalk and you'd see all these mums that just like Mm. looked perfect and looked like they were just loving life and having the best time. And you go, how come that's not me? Why am I not loving this? Why, why am I not enjoying this? Um, So I realized it's actually okay to not, not enjoy those first few weeks because they are really hard. You love your baby, but it can be really hard. Um, But yeah, I guess my biggest, my biggest takeaway is I'm really glad that we got help than we did. Um, you know, we're doing, yeah, so much better now. I'm starting to enjoy being a mum. Like we've got a baby that's smiling and giggling now, which is so cool. (laughs) And it's just, yeah, it's so worth it. But access those services, that's my biggest encouragement. And just talk to someone if you're not feeling quite right. Yeah. Just, yeah, it makes a difference in the world. And it is really hard though. It's hard admitting that things aren't right. Yes. It makes yeah. you very vulnerable um, yeah. and you want people to think that you've got it all together. Um, no one would be able to have like looked at me and gone, oh, she's struggling. My house mm. was always really tidy. 
Um, you know, I'd put on makeup, even in hospital, get myself presentable, looked like I totally had it all together. That it's often those ones, I think, that are the ones that are, you know, behind mm. the scenes kind of falling to bits a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. it was all just a bit of an act. Um, and it's really easy to do that. So, yeah, just be honest. And um, the one thing we also did as well before um, Bubba was born is we, um, well, I joined a um, group um, in Tauranga called The Force, um, which was amazing. Yeah. It was just like a postnatal group where they do fun things, learn about bubs, that kind of stuff. Um, just so I knew I had some kind of connection. Um, and I'd be regularly meeting yeah. with other mums and babies. And that was the best thing as well, because it means you get out of the house. Yeah. And yeah, so that was fabulous. So, yeah, but nothing yeah. else I can think of too much. That's kind of our story. And yeah, we've got a happy little bubba now and a far happier mum. So that's really cool. Yeah, I'm so pleased to hear that. And I think, um, yeah, I just am really grateful that you've sort of talked openly about that, because I think it will resonate with um lots of people out there and hopefully encourage some to go and get the help that they need. So thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So important. Hey? Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining me on the podcast. Like I said, super grateful for your honesty and I know that lots of people are going to love your episode. So thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you if you want to send me an Instagram message or an email or tag me in a story if you want to post where you're listening from and what you're up to while you're listening. I absolutely love seeing that. Otherwise, I will talk to you again next week in another awesome episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.